C.S. Lewis has a quote that uh, is on the side screens here that says this. We might think that God wanted simply obedience to a set of rules. Whereas what he really wants are a people of a particular sort. I love those last words of that. What God really wants are a people of a particular sort. And uh, today is uh, week four of four. It's our last Sunday kind of gathered here together uh, around the campfire. And uh, if you're visiting with us or newer with us, uh, this isn't usually what we do. And I usually don't wear hiking boots, although, man, I love my hiking boots. Um, This is a time for us where... uh, preparing for what's next as a church family and uh, kind of coalescing together and coming together with that. And and, and part of what's taken place as we're preparing for the years ahead is that we've we've kind of brought fresh clarity and fresh words to our core as a church. Uh, We're a teenager. We're 13 years old, almost 14 years old. We're a teenager as a church. Uh, the teen years, man, I got to tell you, I, in so many ways, loved my teenage years. I can vividly remember my teenage year every year, almost every month, it just it, for me with that. They were also really hard years. They're challenging years. Those are the years that you begin making some decisions that actually have ongoing, lifelong ramifications to them. And, and they can be well-used years, or they can be squandered years, where you just kind of go along with the crowd, and you really honestly don't even think about what you're doing. You, you, just, you just do them. As a leadership team with the pastors and the elders here, uh, we've decided as we head into our teenage years and beyond, we don't want these to be squandered years. We don't want these just to kind of get lost in what God has done here among us over the prior years. We want to see that these years are used strategically in the days and months and the years ahead. And so we've come around and put fresh words to our core. We've begun there and we're in the process of implementing, thinking through implementation more here. Literally, just know this, we are in the process of putting some things together as we come along here. And we're taking this year as a year to invest in our preparation for what's ahead. And that includes us. And so as the year unfolds, more and more we'll be gathering together what's up. But we began with our core, uh, our core mission. Um, the horizon. It's a star on the horizon. It's the thing that we're always headed to. And how we're wording it is, is uh, we are a church that is about pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. People who point people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God must have a passionate pursuit of the radiant God themselves. And that's what we're about. We're a church that's about deep. We always have been, and we, oh God, we always will be passionate pursuing people. That's on the horizon. Along with that, as we pursue the horizon, what are some characteristics? What what are some banners that we want to fly to go? This is the kind of people we want to be as a culture, as, as a manner in which we proceed to the horizon. What kind of people? That's where we have our core values, four of them. 
intentionally vertical, and that's listed first for a good reason. Intentionally vertical, foundationally scriptural, deeply relational, genuinely authentic. Oh, by God's grace, might those describe us as we move forward for the Lord. And then last Sunday, I talked about a core vision. Core vision really has to do with what's the next mountain? As you can even see by the illustration on the screen behind me, that you have the horizon, but there are mountains that move to, to the horizon. I talked the other Sunday about how life is lived in chapters. These mountains are kind of chapters, and so it's like, what's the next chapter for us? What's the next mountain for us that we want to pursue? It's not to become something that we aren't. It's not to become something different than we are. It's actually to become something deep and better than what we are right now because we're in the teenage years and the teenage years begin laying the foundation for the adult years. And the core vision that we've set in place is by God's grace, by 2030, Radiant Bible Church will permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. Oh man, I gotta tell you, that fires me up. Because as I talked last Sunday, I think we are a church that is about deep, but deep roots also go out. And that's an area we can grow in as a church. And we desire to grow in that. And we desire to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. And when it really comes down to it, we're going to let God define exactly what the, how that works its way out. But we're heading there. And we're going to grow in that reality. And, and today uh, is the fourth Sunday of these cores. And, and today is about our core, I just lost track, our core outcomes. Thank you to my wife. Um, a rightful question to ask is, okay, so you got all this going, what's the outcome of all this? What are you seeking to have happen when this gets uh, uh, nine years from now? Uh, uh, what's the outcome of this? That's a great question to ask. It's a great question to ask because in all that, it's an easy question to answer on one side, but we want to put some skin to that. The answer on the whole of that is God's glory. We want God to be glorified. Let it be said, let it be done. And yet in that reality of it, put some skin to that, Doug. Can you guys put some skin to what that looks like? And so, yeah, we have. And I want to talk with you about that today because they're actually posted on the walls in this room. Why is it important to state your core outcome? Because it's easy to get diverted on the way. You know, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's easy for churches in the last 20, 30 decades, maybe for, for longer than that, but that's just been my ministry vocational experience time period. And in all that, it's easy to get kind of lost in this thing of attendance numbers. Or, or programs, or uh, expansion uh, plans, or, or budgeting things. And it's easy to get lost in that. And we don't want to get lost. We want to use these coming years strategically. In fact, imagine it this way. It's December 29th, 2030. It's actually a Sunday, for real. December 29th, 2030, about nine years from now. 
And let's just say by God's grace and the work of the Spirit of God, we've been able to uh, ascend. We've been able to get to the top of Mount Forward, as I've called it, these, these coming years for us with our vision. And by God's grace and the work of the Spirit, uh, we've been kept on track of heading to our mission of, of pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. And, and with that, uh, those values of intentionally vertical and foundationally scriptural and deeply relational and genuinely authentic. And, and in these recent years, we've just finished nine years where there's been a focus and an emphasis where we're seeking to grow as a church that permeates the west side of Indianapolis and the hope of the gospel. And we get to the top and, and we're there and there's a campfire there as well. And we all gather around this campfire and we're, we're all a little bit looking older. And uh, in that nine years from now, we gather around and, and we look at this and this is actually kind of the fire pit from our house. It kind of, with the stars and the moons, kind of looks like a witch thing, doesn't it? A little bit. But, but in that, let's just kind of, we gather around it and we look on the side of it and it actually has wording on it that says outcome offering. And we look a little closer and it says, closer and it says, please put in your outcome offering. Question, what are we going to put in? What are we wanting to see take place to put into that to be an offering unto the Lord? Our desire is that what would be put in that is that we would be a particular sort of people. A people that have increased in our worship of Christ, our walk with Christ, and our work for Christ. And that it would be a fragrant offering unto the Lord. God, I just ask here in these coming few minutes that you would direct our attention to who you are and to what you desire of us as a particular sort of people. It's easy to get lost in the surrounding things and attractions of today, even in church world. God, would you protect us from that? And by even stating and by restating these outcomes that we desire to have happen, they are all ultimately for your glory. That is for sure. But we're stating them here at this point in time. So in the journey ahead, we keep them before us. Because it's not about us. It's all about you. So God, do a work in us today, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. So, nine years from now, December 29th on that Sunday, 2030, what do we want to put in here? Outcome number one, worship. Worship of Christ. Worshipers who are increasingly bringing glory to God. I have three passages for this, and I'm going to ask for your help. After all, we're around the campfire, right? Center section, would you all turn your Bibles to Romans 11? Romans 11. Acts, Romans 11, kind of towards the end of the Bible, New Testament, middle of the New Testament. Okay, side sections, both of side sections. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we'll get to each of those here in just a moment. I'm going to turn to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus is, um, is at a well. He's at a well with a Samaritan woman, and he's having this amazing conversation with her. And in that conversation, he says this, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, 
For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And I love this next statement. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit. I love that. Do you know that God the Father... He desires for people to worship him. It's like, come, come. I want you to worship me. He's not stay away, you losers. He's not you annoy the living bejeebers out of me. He's not any of that. He's just like, I actually want worshipers, but I want worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit in relationship with God and truth about God. I'll call this, this is the worship thing that we have posted on our sidewalls. It's the first thing. Worship. The worship thing, another term for that in theological terms, the worship thing is the doxology thing. It's a doxology thing. Doxology, the first part of that doxa, it means glory. It means splendor. I love this. Doxa carries this idea of an opinion. It's an opinion of. Hold that thought. Doxology, legia, it means to say, it means to express. So what does doxology mean? It means glory stated, splendor said, sung, declared. I, I like this. It means your opinion expressed. Think about that. Doxology, worship, is our opinion of God expressed. Question, what is your opinion of God right now in reality? Oh, it's high. Let me just lovingly press in. Is it? Let's go back a little and think from Scripture. Oh, before that, uh, you enter in. Last service, I forgot to bring the crowd in after I had them. Uh, go to the text. All right, so let's do that now. Romans 11, uh, church, verse 36, center section. And those of you at home online, read it out loud too. Romans 11, 36. I want you to read it all out loud. Whatever version you have, it doesn't matter. It even sounds better if there's more versions. All right, so ready? Verse 36, go. For through him and to him and for him are all things. And then, by the way, that statement of truth is followed by a statement of worship. Doxology comes out of truth. Okay, side sections. Your 1 Corinthians 10, right? Uh, go to verse 31. In side sections, you read verse 31. Ready? One, two, three, go. Do how much to the glory of the God? All. That, that means eating for the glory of God. I'm in on that one. That means drinking for the glory of God. That means school for the glory of God. That means work for the glory of God. That means home for the glory of God. That means parenting for the glory of God. That means marriage for the glory of God. That means dating for the glory of God. 
That means friends for the glory of God. That means uh, uh, TV for the glory of God. That means movies for the glory of God. That means conversations for the glory of God. That means handling times of life that are disappointing, hard, or crushing for the glory of God. That means handling times of life where life is just awesome and you feel like, man, everything is just uh, singing on the top of the mountain, all for the glory of God. That also means roundabouts are for the glory of God. <laughs> uh, I kid you not, the reason I have a Radiant Bible Church sticker on the back of my car is for roundabouts. It's a reminder of me to get my doxology right before I hit the round. I'm not joking. <laughs> All of life and everything in life is about an opinion. A.W. Tozer. The church exists to worship God first of all. Everything else must come second or third or fourth or fifth. I believe the local church exists to do corporately what each Christian believer should be doing individually, and that is to worship God. Rory Noland. We are created, commanded, called, compelled, and destined to worship. God doesn't need anything. He is God. Yet he delights in our worship. But the truth is, we are the ones who need to worship. At its most basic level, he goes on, worship is an exciting opportunity and a holy invitation to enjoy God. We must make worship a top priority because worship is God's ultimate priority. And yet in that, we would agree with that and we would shout that out from on top of the high of the hill. And yet other things have this way of getting in our way. I think of Eugene Peterson even points out about pastors and ministries of today. He says the vocational pastor of today has oftentimes been replaced by the strategies of religious entrepreneurs with business plans. Oh dear God, not that. And Radiant, I just want for you to know that the things that we're talking about right now, it's not that. Oh God, not that. This isn't about becoming someone different than who we are. This is about becoming someone better than who we are right now for God's glory. This is about maturing in Christ as a people for God's glory. And it's all grounded in worship. It must be, it must be, it must be. Our opinion of God must increasingly grow. It starts with worship, it continues with worship, it finishes with worship. Outcome number one, worship. Worshippers increasingly bringing glory to God. Outcome number two is walk. Disciples intentionally pursuing life with Christ. Please turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter two, please. Colossians chapter two. As you're turning there, my two favorite words that describe life in Christ are abide and walk. They're two words that are used in scripture. Uh, abide is used in John 15. In John 15, Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. By the way, in that whole conversation of John 15, Jesus doesn't say, when you are pleasing me, then I'm willing to abide with you. He actually says, I am abiding with you. You abide with me. Know this, the problem is not that the Lord is far away. The fact of the matter is, is that the Lord is near. The problem is, is that we have a tendency not to lean into the one who is near. 
And he is saying, lean into me, lean into me. And we're like, no, I got to get myself cleaned up to present. He's like, I already know you're broken. I already know you're busted. Can I just be straight with you? Okay, genuinely authentic. I already know you're a loser. Come. Abide with me. I am the master of redeeming losers. Abide. It's, he goes on, just real quick, he goes on and he makes mention about the vine and the branch. Uh, we're more uh, oak trees, maple trees, like the trunk and the branch. And listen, the branch literally on a tree drills itself into the trunk. It's drilling itself in and out of that comes leaves. All of the action is happening right there. This is what he's talking about in this. He's like, uh, abide with me, drill yourself into me. And we come to Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Similarly, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord, so what? So do what? So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The more we abide, the more we walk with the Lord, we will love what he loves more. We will live for what he wants us to live for more. The more we lean in, the more we will love what he loves and live for what he lives for. And in this, it's talking about this, that understanding this, it doesn't happen instantly. Don't you just wish maturity would happen instantly? Why is it that a horse can be born or an animal can be born and lickety split, they're like walking? And us human beings... I mean, my granddaughter's now, what, six months old? Come on, girl, get walking. (laughs) We don't expect that. It's walking. God doesn't expect us to rocket ship to maturity. He never has. In in our world, west side of Indianapolis, listen, maturity and walking with Christ is not our indie race car. It's walking, it's not even a bicycle. The walking thing is an advancing thing. That's the point of it. It's not a stationary thing. It's not a static thing. It's not a sitting thing. It's not a sleeping thing. It's not a just standing there thing. It's ultimately when you look at the whole picture of it, you pull the GPS map out of of what you've been doing for the last uh, three years, there's movement. There's an advancing, a maturing thing that's taking place. That's what walking in Christ is about. And so when I talk about us getting to the top of Mount Forward and in the 20, December 29th, 2030, and here we are at this offering, not only are we offering our worship uh, unto the Lord, but we are offering our walk unto the Lord. And what I mean by that is from where we were nine years ago to where we are now, God has done a maturing work in us and we offer all that to you, Lord. By the way, keep in mind with that, Philippians 2.13, it is the Lord who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That is a fascinating verse. Hey, for some of you, stop working so hard to try and attain maturity in Christ. Stop working so hard and fall on your face and pray for God to will and work in you. 
It's like, Martha, 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 would you please just sit down so I can do a work in you? Goodness sakes, you're like so all over the place, you're driving me nuts. He is the one who works in you to will and to want. And therefore, that's why when we offer our walk unto the Lord as a worship, we offer it unto the Lord as a worship because he's the one who's done it in us anyway. It's not because you and I have buckled ourselves up and gotten all tough and hard in our Christian walk. That's called legalism. Maturity in Christ doesn't happen that way. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created for Christ Jesus in good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's already made them available. The question is, is are we just willing to abide in his, what he's already done? Seriously. Some of us need to just slow down in your head about what it is to live for Christ. And just sit down and stop being such a Martha and lean into the Lord. Lord, I'm tired of trying so hard. Man, starting next week, we're going to be doing a five-month series. Five months we're going to be doing on growing in Christ. We're going deep, we're driving in, we're drilling in. Because if we are about people, to become a people who are pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. We have to be a people who are in a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. So we're going to be going deep. Oh, by the way, deep roots go out, right? So we're going deep in these coming weeks, more on the whole walk reality of it. Worship, outcome number one, worshipers increasingly bringing glory to God. Walk, disciples intentionally pursuing life in Christ. Doug, what's the third outcome? Uh, You see it on the wall, work. God's people joyfully pouring out the gospel and our lives. Uh, Last passage to turn to, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5. Work, God's people joyfully pouring out the gospel in our lives. my life, Karen's life verse, First Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much, delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Man, that's all over that. It's, it's an outflow, pouring out the gospel and our lives. Hey, understand this, working for Christ, we're not talking about a duty for Christ. I've so appreciated over the years, John Piper pressing into that whole issue. It's not about a duty for Christ, it's about a delight in Christ. It's an overflowing thing. Working for Christ is not about somehow God is dependent on us. Listen, when we even talk about growing as a church that's permeating the west side of Indianapolis, it's like, okay, buckle up. We gotta, we gotta like do it. To, hey, we're putting plans in and we're gonna be putting strategies in place and we're gonna be seeking to grow and to do so. But know this, it's the Lord who does it. And, and in all of that, it, it, the Lord is not dependent on us. The fact of the matter is we get to be dependent on the Lord. That's the fun part of it. It's also not a replacement for walking in Christ. Well, because I'm working for Christ, therefore I mean I have a walk with Christ. I'll comment on that in just a moment. Instead, working for Christ is a lit up in Jesus overflowing thing. Let me read Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, right before verse 14. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And then verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor people light a lamp and put it under a basket. No. Us older people maybe get that. 
but on a stand, <laughs> and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Question, where's the real work going on? What's really happening with a lamp, with a light? I have a pack of matches here. These are wooden matches. There used to be a thing, and there still is actually a thing, like wooden matches. Remember as a kid stacking all these and burning things? <laughs> that just sounded really bad, didn't it? <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me rein that in. A light. What's really happening with a light? Well, what's, what's really going on? There's a, a match wood stick, and then there's this spark that started. The byproduct, the overflow of the interaction, both physics, chemistry-wise, here with this match, is that there is this thing that's going on there. And in that, actually, it's the very tiny point of where the action is happening. It's at that very tiny point when the spark and the, say if it's a candle, the wick and the wax or the wood and it interact together. And when those begin interacting, something begins happening. There's an interchange. They can't do that on their own. But when there's an interaction together, something begins to happen in all of that. It's kind of like the tree trunk and the branch. Uh, where's the activity of the branch? The activity is right where it drills itself into the trunk. That's where the activity is going on. We live in a world that is so obsessed with the production that's coming out on the other end. All the attention is given there. And when all of the attention is given there, this gets weak. But you see, but when this is going on, when abiding is happening, when this walk, when this drilling in is taking place, my goodness, leaves are produced and other branches break off and, and, and flowers bloom and fruit happens. They don't happen because in my own Disney World little mind, because they don't happen because the branch is going, I'm trying so hard to produce the fruit. And yet that's oftentimes the way we Christians think. The fact of the matter of what's going on is this, drilling in, just like the light that Jesus is making reference to. Where's the action happening? The action that's happening is that interaction at that tiny little spot. And out of that tiny little spot, there is a flame. It doesn't go, I want to produce a flame. It just happens. And then out of that flame, all of a sudden it radiates. I don't think, and again, in my Disney World little mind, that right at that point, they're all going, you see, something deep is happening there. An exchange is taking place. And out of that, bloom, fruit, out of that, radiant light. Deep happens there. But out of deep comes light. And when we talk about work for Christ, 
We're not talking about buckle up, seize down. When our doxology, when we have a high opinion of God, we want to lean into the Lord. And when we're leaning into the Lord, we love the things that the Lord loves and we live for the things that the Lord lives for and it overflows. We're not talking about programs as front and center to reach the west side. We're talking about people interacting with Christ in depth and energy to where, frankly, it just happens. There will be programs. But that's not the point. Romans 12, 10 and 11. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I love how another version says this. It says, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Doug, I just thought you said it's the Lord who wills and works in you. It is. But in that interchange, in that exchange, there's both interacting. And our deal in all of this is that we start with a high opinion of God and a high opinion of God draws us to want to lean into the Lord. And when we lean into the Lord, we will love what the Lord loves and live for what the Lord wants us to live for. And it overflows out, lay it up for God's glory. By the way, can I just note here before I bring this to a close, Matthew chapter 7, if you want to take a look there, starting in verse 21, it's towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes one of the most amazing statements as it could be imagined. He says to it in it, he says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, I never knew you. Many will say to the Lord, 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 and the Lord says, I never knew you. Why is that? You study on your own, but look at their reaction. Th- their reaction is, but, but, but we did blank, and we did blank, and we did blank for you. you see, they've got it backwards. They're coming out and saying, but we worked for you, and we worked for you. And in their heads, they're, they're processing it as, as I work for you, that equates to a walk for you, which equates to worship for you. And Jesus says, no, that's totally backwards. I don't even know you because it starts with knowing me. It starts with a doxology. It starts with an, a high opinion of me. That's what's taking place. And it starts with there, and the walk comes out of that. The doxology thing grows into an advancing thing, which moves into an overflowing thing. Those are people who worship in spirit and truth. Those are the kind of people that the Father is saying, I want you. I want you. I want that in you. I want people like that. I want a particular sort of people like that. I hope you can see in me that this today is really important to me. If you've been around this church for a while, I, I can see a question going, so are, are we trying to become someone altogether different than, than who we are? 
Let me just kind of bring this answer to that question because that can be a good question. It would be this. The very first three weeks preached in this church in March of 2008 were worship, walk, and work. Our desire as a church has always been the desire to have the outcome of us, whatever God would do with this place. If there's 10 of us, if we last for a year and whatever, that God would do a work in us such that we would grow in our worship of him, in our walk with him, in our work with him. And what is it that we want to do now? We want to be a people that's the same thing. There just happens to be more. The desire is the same. Friends, we want to be a church that is worshiping Christ and walking with Christ and working for Christ. A high opinion of Christ that moves us into an abiding, walking thing with Christ that overflows into a working thing for Christ that lights up the west side. Nothing has changed. We just want to get increasingly better at it. And these next nine years have this focus of us going deep with the intent on really, we want to go out. Because deep, because roots go deep and out. We want to be a people. We have always wanted to be a people that have a high opinion of God in our worship, that abide and walk in Christ for real because of our high opinion of who God is knowing that it's out of that, that as we worship and walk with the Lord, we will increasingly love what the Lord loves and live for what the Lord lives for. We don't want to do that willy-nilly. We want to do that strategically. And so when we get up, Lord willing, Sunday, December 29th, 2030, when we get up to the top of Mount forward, and we look back at the last nine years, and we see this offering unto the Lord, and the question comes in, what do we put in there? We know what goes in there. It's not strategic plans, it's not programs, it's, it's not buildings, it's not campus or church plants. It's, uh, uh, listen, all of those do go in there, but when it comes right down to it, Summed up, we want our worship of Christ to first be put in unto the Lord. Amen? As a fragrant offering unto the Lord. And as we sit around and we talk about these last nine years, and really these last, by that time, what is it? Some 22 years of time. We look and we see that, Lord, my goodness, what you have brought us through. As we have walked and, uh, through this uh, time period and what you have done in us and through us, it's, it's for you and to you and through you. And Lord, we offer our increased maturity in you up to the Lord and it's a fragrant offering. Amen? And then I think you know what the last one is. Lord, just as we look and we see uh, by God's grace and the work of the Spirit of God that the west side of Indianapolis has been permeated increasingly so with the hope of the gospel, Lord, we know that's not because we're awesome in any kind of way. 
We know that's because we've been a people who have an increasingly high opinion of you and an increasing abiding reality with you. And out of that, you have done a work through us and out of us that God, no attention to us. Only to you, right? And Lord, we're going to let you answer the numbers issue, answer all of those kinds of issues. But we just want you to know whatever has come out of that, we offer it to you. Got to get in there so it burns right. Fragrant offering unto the Lord. Next week. We're going to begin five months growing forward. What does it look like to be a people growing and changing? Could I say it this way? What does it look like to be a people with an increasing high view of God where that high view of God then infiltrates our very lives and we're growing and changing in Christ? What does that look like theologically, practically? We're going to get at it together. For the Lord's glory, right? For the Lord's glory. Lord, thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done and for your grace in our lives and your work in our lives. Father, we don't know what the future is and yet at the same time you've given us the ability and I think you've given us the call to strategically press ahead to be a maturing people for you, including to be a maturing church for your glory. And Lord, as we head to that horizon, pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of God, and and Lord, as we do that in the kind of way where we are increasingly intentionally vertically and foundationally uh, scriptural and genuinely authentic and deeply relational, and and God, even in these coming nine years, as we seek to uh, uh, move ourselves as a people with our eyes on the west side of Indianapolis, that it would be permeated with the hope of the gospel in a way like we've never seen before. God, all those things are dependent upon you and all those things are for you. We just know this. We want these coming teenage years as a church to be years well invested. So would you help us? We're weak, you are strong. We are short-sighted, you are eternal. We are fearful. You've got it all taken care of. We lean into you for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.